And in the Old Testament, there was a story of two brothers. One brother had the name of Jacob, and one brother had the name of Esau. Esau was the firstborn son, and with the firstborn, that came the right of a birthright. You had special privileges being the firstborn male. And Jacob teamed up, though, with his mom, Rebecca, and they, they worked together to trick, J- to trick Esau out of that birthright so that Jacob would be the one that would receive the blessing from his father. So after that happened, Rebecca thought, you know, Jacob, we just tricked Esau. He's a hunter. He could tear you apart with his bare hands. Let's go ahead and get you out of town and get you to my brother's house. Go to your Uncle Laban's house because it's probably not good. Your brother's going to be that angry that you don't want to stay around. Problem is, is Jacob goes ahead and goes to his Uncle Laban's house, and who does he fall in love with? Oh, he falls in love with Rachel, so he's going to work for seven years for Rachel. But how ironic that the, the guy who does the tricking is the one who gets tricked. So he finds out that the woman he marries is actually Rachel's older sister, Leah, and I guess from what I read, she wasn't as pretty. And he didn't like her as much. So he wanted to work another seven years and for Rachel. So now he's worked 14. You got to love your woman to work 14 years. I would have done it too. I just want you to know that. But you got to love your woman to work 14 years. And so he works. He got Rachel and Leah and their families growing. And so finally, Jacob, he leaves Laban's house. And he takes off, he's got his whole family in tow, and they are leaving, and who do they run into on their way out of town? Genesis 33 tells us the story. Jacob looked up, and he saw Esau coming with his 400 men. They haven't seen each other in a while, and the last time they saw each other, he was tricking his brother, and so... Jacob's not exactly like, man, this is going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to seeing my brother. So he divided the children. He said, he said, Leah, Rachel, two servant wives. He splits them up. He puts the servant wives and their children first. Leah and the children next and Rachel and Joseph last. And Jacob went on ahead and he approached his brother and he bowed to the ground seven times before him in honor and reverence to him, trying to, trying to win him over, but I guess. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. They both wept. What a relief. Jacob's like, I didn't know how this was going to go. Esau looked at the women and the children. He says, who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given to me, your servant, Jacob replied. Man, he's real humble now. Then the servant wives came forward with their children and bowed before him. And next came Leah with her children and bowed before him. And then Joseph and Rachel, and they bowed before him. And and what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came, Esau asked. And what happens is he says, "They're, they're, they're a gift to you, my Lord, to ensure your friendship. Basically, I tricked you out of a lot of things. I'm trying to make it up to you. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted. He said, no, if I found favor with you, please accept these gifts. What a relief it is to see your friendly smile. In other words, thank you for not cutting my head off. It's like seeing the face of God. Oh, it's getting deep in here. It's like seeing the face. Please take this gift I brought you, for God has been gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, finally Esau accepted the gift. But then these last three verses are interesting. 
Well, Esau said, let's be going. I'll lead the way. It's interesting. You know, I mean, we just got done. Oh, bowing. Oh, here's a gift. I love you. I love you. Oh, it's great to be back. All this. All right. Well, that's done. Come on. Let's go. Let's be going. But Jacob replied, and he said, you can see, my Lord, that some of the children are very young. And the flocks and the herds have their young, too. If they're driven too hard, even for one day, all the animals could die. How many of you have what you would consider young children? Okay. How many of you have ever put your young child in a car and traveled, and traveled a long way in a closed vehicle with that beautiful, wonderful young child? How many of you at some point on that trip your prayer life was deepened. And you began to intercede. How many of you have ever driven from Kansas City to St. Louis and for four hours straight, your child screamed and cried at the top of their lungs? This is therapeutic, bear with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jacob's like, yeah, so about that, I got young kids, and now let's mix in some, like, imagine traveling with your screaming young child, and then a dog who has puppies. He's like, man, I got my kids, my wife, I got wives, I got kids, I got animals, I got animals that have kids. He says, please, my Lord, go ahead of your servant. We will follow slowly. We will follow slowly at a pace that is comfortable for the livestock and the children, and I'll meet you at Sire. Today I'm going to preach on this, moving faster than the crowd. Moving faster than the crowd. Jesus, thank you so much for meeting us here. You were here long before we got here because you're everywhere, God, but, but when the people of God come into a place with a, a purpose in mind, Something supernatural can take place. And so I'm thankful for everyone who is here watching online. Lord, please speak through me. Use me as a vessel this morning that your word could come to life in a marvelous and powerful way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many of you know we are living in a time where opinions are stronger today than ever before? Now... Then again, that's just my opinion. How ironic. But today, people have opinion about politics. Guess what? There's an election coming up this year. Interesting. People have opinions about social justice and racism. People have opinions about the way police should respond to certain situations and events. Police ha or, uh, people have a, an opinion about covid People have opinions about masks. Some of you are wearing masks because you are just trying to be compliant. Others are wearing masks because you're genuinely concerned about the virus. And others of you are going to only be wearing masks until the moment service ends and that thing will be off your face and stuffed in your pocket. <laughs> and so everybody's different. 
People have opinions about what restaurant is good, about how loud the music should be, or what the temperature should be in a church. There are issues that call for response, and there are issues that we just like to respond to, whether we're asked to or not. There will always be popular opinions, majority vote, and the voice of the crowd. And let's just, I'd like to just, as the saying would go, grab the bull by the horns. It's tough sometimes to live in a society that we're called to reach, to love, and to minister to. And their voices are sometimes shouting things that we disagree with. And sometimes we despise the values by which they stand. That doesn't always happen, but let's face it, no matter what the issue is, big or small, there are a ton of people who have a different opinion on an issue than you do. If this is revelatory to you, we got to talk. You, if, if this is revelatory, you definitely don't have a social media account. Because if you ever want an opinion, there are hundreds of thousands of opinions. There are actually several medical experts on Facebook that aren't even doctors. <laughs> Think about how many opinions are just here in the sanctuary today. What's your opinion on refried beans? Can I just have fun for a minute here? Because I want to know where my brothers and sisters are. If you do not like refried beans, would you mind just standing for a minute? I just want to know who's on my team. Yeah, buddy. All right, all right. I only got about eight on my team, but we're still strong. I am shocked, Michelle, to see Dylan standing here, by the way. I'm just, I'm just shocked. I mean, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Wow, I expected, I expected to be in the minority, but not that much in the minority. That's kind of crazy. How many of you? Oh, I shouldn't do this. This is dangerous. Just remember, you do have a pit master for Q39 in the house. But how many of you say that Jack Stack Barbecue is the best barbecue in the Kansas City area? Raise your hand. How many of you say that Q39 is the best barbecue in the Kansas City area? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, I'm like, my goodness, that's bad. How many of you say KC Joe's is the best barbecue in the area? Raise your hand. How many of you say Slaps Barbecue? Smokehouse. Uh, who else am I forgetting? Arthur Bryant's. Um, what? Who's Caesar? How many of you uh, haven't had Kansas City barbecue yet? Somebody take that woman to barbecue as soon as then. How many of you don't like barbecue? Yeah, my wife and I almost needed marriage counseling over that, but. <laughs> Interesting. There were a lot of hands that didn't go up for any of these. How many of you are already sleeping and I just started? How many of you like the Kansas City Chiefs? How many like the Royals that lost to the Brewers the last two nights? Oh, ooh, no. Oh. oh. Let's move on. 
You ask people, though, their opinions on things, their preferences on things, right? I mean, you look at our, 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 our last president, Barack Obama, our current president, Donald Trump, the person who's running against him, Joe Biden, no doubt. Don't raise your hands for anything, because now we're getting into the more crucial stuff. We can discuss barbecue and refried beans. Now we're discussing a presidential election. Keep your hands down. Why? Because now we're getting into the tense stuff. We can have different opinions on refried beans and barbecue places, and we'll laugh. But if we have an opinion on a president, now, now we've entered different territory. Should we be forced to wear masks or not? I know you all have an opinion. How long should I preach today? I know you all have an opinion. <laughs> For some of you, I'm already, I'm already at my limit here in just a minute. Where's the best place to get groceries? I saw a funny meme that said the people looking at the people who shop at Target looking at the people who shopping at Walmart. And there's a meme like. <laughs> Homeschool, private school, or public school. Woo, that's another tense one. Don't raise your hand. Ford or Chevy. I guess we can laugh about that. If you say Ford, raise your hand. If you say Chevy, raise your hand. My goodness, that's very close. Interesting. <laughs> Apple or Android? Raise your hand for Apple. Raise your hand for Android. My goodness, very interesting. Same thing, Mac or PC. Whether you or your spouse are right, don't raise your hand. You know, there are people that are making millions and millions of dollars. They just come up with TV shows and radio programs that where people just share their opinion. Sports shows. They realized that instead of just broadcasting sports, we're going to have sports show after sports show after sports show where people just sit around and share their opinion. And we listen because we have an opinion about how their opinion's wrong. And so we all tune in and we follow social media and we say, that person aggravates the fire out of me. But I'm going to keep following them because they share their opinion and I get angry about it. I mean, you can go to news outlets. CNN shares their opinion. Oops. Uh, no, I mean, they share news. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. What is this? It's all, it's all through some lens. doesn't matter. It's all through a lens. And so people share opinions and they share thoughts on things. I think when there are issues of right and wrong, especially as dictated by Scripture, Christians should not just sit back and do nothing. We need to have a voice. We're not called to be silent pacifists. But what happens when we shout so loud about various issues that we actually leave the crowd behind? What happens when the very crowd we're leaving behind are the exact people God is calling us to love and to reach? What happens if we're intelligent enough to win an argument and to prove a point and we won, but what exactly did we win? 
Social media is so powerful because it's given every human being a platform for their opinion. Church people are often extremely passionate about their views, and honestly, I think we should be. The Bible commands us to be rooted and grounded, not blown around with every wind of doctrine, stable, faithful, unwavering. But what do we do when we're called to reach a society that doesn't always view things, and the longer we go along here, they're viewing things like we do less and less. The apostle Paul, he was put in this predicament, and he understood it. He went to Mars Hill, and he chatted with philosophical scholars of that day. But then he got on a boat and sailed the seas with rough sailors. Can you imagine the different conversation that Paul would have been in? Jumping on a boat with sailors and getting off at Mars Hill and discussing the scholars, the Stoics, the philosophers of that day. He dealt with churches in Galatia, Thessalonica, Rome, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossus. Guess what? Every church has its own culture and beliefs. And now I'm not saying beliefs as far as doctrine, but practices, lifestyles. That would be like, well, I'm just going to preach the message, dress the same way, talk the same way, and do everything the same. If I preach in England, or if I preach in Italy, or if I preach in Africa, or if I... No, you're going to preach the same message, but there are different approaches and customs of each area. And we can understand that in a cultural setting of continents. But we are at the point now in our history... We have to understand it on our own soil, too. People Paul was writing to, visiting, teaching, or preaching to, they had different beliefs, customs, and values. And, and he would. that's why he had one approach with some sailors. He'd have another approach to the Corinthian church, another approach to the church in Rome. Paul's values, his, his own personal values and beliefs, they didn't change. He never changed the gospel message. But his approach did depending on the people he was interacting with. And certainly I can say, well, I'm just going to tell it like it is. I'm going to do that long enough and the crowd's going to be gone. And I'm going to say, I'm 31-0 and in victories. I've, I've, I've put every person in their place that's tried to stand up against me. What did you win? In our western part of the world, we don't always have a complete understanding of the whole worldview of Scripture. I include myself because I'm a western part of the western world. But here's what I mean by this. The western view of Scripture is very authoritarian. You know, the rest of the world, it's based a lot on hope. For us, we often emphasize the law, obedience, deliverance from Egypt, where authority beats one authority, and then the enemy loses, and and God is the judge and ruler, and the preacher is the voice of God, and the pulpit's the place of authority. We even arrange our buildings so that we sit facing one way, and that's the authority. I'm not even saying this is wrong. God is absolute authority. The Bible demands obedience, and incredible things happen at churches and from pulpits. But when we look across the rest of the world, the focus is not just about getting people to sit in rows and stare forward at authority. It's not just about getting people to align to the ruler God and and listen to what he speaks through his leader, the, the pastor, the preacher. For other parts of the world, the message is about hope and not just authority. God can be with you. God can heal you. You can live in poverty, in a grass hut, in mud, and God still hears you. 
It doesn't matter where you rank in the authority of structure or caste system. Jesus Christ loves you. And for our world, that brings a lot of hope. And this is part of the reason why thousands and thousands of people in another country will walk a hundred, they will literally walk a hundred miles to get to a service where they will be crunched together without even having a seat to sit down on. And thousands of people will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and be healed and blind eyes open, delivered, set free. And there will be 100,000 people that will gather in one spot for a moment like this because they just want to experience hope. And so... Our Western world, if we're honest, many churches do care about who you are, where do you work, where do you live, how do you dress, who do you vote for, what colors your skin. In the Western world, we put emphasis on these things, and I hate it. I hate it. There should never be a time where someone, I don't know if I can experience hope because you can say, well, I would never do that, but... We put, a, we, put, we put emphasis on, well, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Where do you have a living? What's, what, what, what education level do you have? Why? Because in our Western world, we want people to fit our current structure at its current location. And I hate that part because right now, our society, I've been alive Almost, I'm still, I have not been alive 40 years. I just want you to know that. I've been alive for almost 40 years. And this is my last week. I'm going to say it. I'm probably going to say it. I'm going to slide it down on Wednesday even though I'm not preaching. Somehow I'm going to slide this in. I am not 40 yet. But in my almost 40 years, society has never been more divided than they are right now. And unfortunately, these issues make their way into churches, too. Because at the end of the day, we really want to be a part of something that reflects us and reflects our values. What happens when you're called to reach a crowd and the crowd doesn't currently reflect your values? We want this in our family, our workplace, even our church. But God, he paints a really different picture. He paints a picture of people who are really different. Revelation 7, 9, and I, John is writing about heaven. After this, I beheld, lo, a great multitude. No man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. They stood before the throne, before the lamb, clothed with white robes, palms in their hands. And he cried with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God, which, see, the salvation, the white robes represents the purity. Notice, they were all different people, but one thing made them in common, and that was what they were wearing. Now, that's not literal a white robe, but it was what it represented of the purity of salvation. That is what binds us together. That's why when Paul writes to the Galatian church in Galatians 3, he says, for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Wait, they hated the Greeks back then, the Jews. No, there's no Jew nor Greek. He was not famous and popular for saying this, by the way. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's no bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one. 
Why? Because it doesn't matter. I, I acknowledge there's differences. Paul does not ignore the differences. Paul does not ignore the fact that we are different. He says, yeah, Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Greeks. He says, male or female, bond or free, different color skin, speaking different languages. He acknowledges the fact you are absolutely different. He doesn't hide that. But he says, but when we're baptized into Christ and put on Christ, we become one body. We wear that white cloth that represents purity in, in, in Jesus Christ. And so he, he reminds them that that's what happens. And so even then, we as believers like immediate and total change. If, if someone's doing wrong, they just need to change. If someone's dressing wrong, they just need to change. If someone is talking wrong, well, then change the way you talk. And that's sometimes the outlook and the mindset that we have. But, but I read in the Bible about a God who is patient for change, who literally sends one prophet after another prophet to reach to this heathen nation Israel and just keep reaching for them over and over again when they ignore him, let him down, go against his word, and he just keeps reaching to them. He certainly calls them to change, but then he doesn't leave them a week after and go, I've given you seven days, you still ain't different. Matter of fact, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Look at the passage that Paul writes to the Colossian church and, and tell me if you think our American churches have this down pat. Colossians 3.11, in this new life, new birth, new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, uncircumcised or circumcised. He, by the way, he's touching some very, you think, oh man, he just mentioned something about police over the pulpit. He just mentioned something about social justice over the pulpit. Like, this stuff was so taboo in his day. He's getting up saying, it don't matter, Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. Like, you, you, are, you, are, you are dealing with some major societal issues at that moment. And Paul's just like, yeah, let's let, come on, grab the bull by the horns, so to speak. He says, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Paul, again, is not, hey, let's ignore the differences. Let's try to act like they don't exist. Please look around right now. Guess what? There's some people that look different than you. They have a different skin color than you. Their language might not be English as a first language. They have different education levels than you. Different heights, different weights, different hairstyles. We're not ignoring the fact that we are a different people, and there are a bunch of different opinions today in this place. Some about issues like barbecue and refried beans. Some about issues about politics and social justice. COVID and masks. But what bonds us together is not whether we wear a mask or not. It's the fact that Jesus Christ died on that cross. We took on that name. We were baptized. Those sins were washed away. I was filled with the, the spirit of God, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And my life has hope now. And that's what, that's what knits us together. Paul doesn't shy away from, hey, we're different. But he says, 
Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then he says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Leave that up there. Well, we're having an interactive sermon. Anybody ever been hurt by someone? Has anyone here ever been hurt so bad that you actually had a difficult time forgiving? Has anyone ever been hurt by someone you had a difficult time forgiving and it was someone in the church that you were hoping would have been a little bit better than that? Absolutely. And God says, hey, make allowance for one another's faults. Forgive everyone. who." Would anyone with faults, that's, that's all of us. The KJV uses the word forbearing one another. Do you know what that means? It means to tolerate. We're called to love one another. But sometimes we just need to remember to to tolerate one another. Because you know why? Some of you haven't received the revelation about milk not being in cereal or refried beans being bad, you know? So I have to be patient with you. But we walk in this journey and, and, and things happen. Tolerate. He's literally calling his church to tolerate one another. We're called to love. But how many of you do you love? How many of you love someone right now in your life that you occasionally have to tolerate? My wife loves me. Some days, she just tolerates me. We're called to tolerate. And look what Paul says next. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your, in your hearts for as Members of one body. I thought he just talked about how everybody was different. He was just talking about differences and, and Jews and Greek and bond or free and different languages. Like he's talking circumcised, uncircumcised. He's talking about all these things. But he says, but tolerate one another. Make allowance for one another's faults. Forgive one another. Because you're members of one body and you're called to live in peace. So always be thankful. Wow. One body. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. Puts us in one body. And we are forever bound in one way that cheering for the same team or voting for the same president or liking the same food or working at the same place will never unite us the way Jesus Christ 
can unite us. In a world that is celebrating and pushing all of the differences and and all the different opinions and all these things that we constantly can even feel disconnected at our own church. Don't forget that the most important thing is the thing that unites us and makes us one. And that is being baptized into this one body and one faith. And so I open today with an account about Jacob and Esau. Notice how Jacob appeared to be in a different stage of life than Esau. Esau was older. It didn't appear that he had young children. So when he gets done chatting, he just says, let's hit the road. Let's, let's go. Let's travel. Let's do it. If you have young children, you know that the days of, hey, man, what are you up to? Let's go. Let's go. Let's just go run out. Let's go play golf. Let's go hit downtown. Let's go grab food. You want to go shopping? Like, those days are done. Like, I got kids, call me in two weeks, I'll try and find a sitter, otherwise we might not even go, because we, we ain't going to be able to enjoy anything. Come to my house, the kids will play in the backyard, let them run free and scream. You know, there, are, there may have been more to this comment, but Jacob looks at Esau and he says, you can see, my Lord, my children are young, got young flocks, and they have young kids, and... If they're driven too hard, even for one day, the animals could die. That's so interesting because when the crowd comes into the church, if they're driven too hard, they too will die. We have a lot of churches in the great United States of America where we're really passionate. We want people to think like us and look like us and talk like us and worship like us. But there has to be a process. And when someone comes and the crowd gets, gathers around and, 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 and we start to push them too hard, too fast, they also will die. And he says, I just, I'm going to need some time. And he says, go ahead. We're going to follow slowly at a pace that's comfortable for us. In other words, Esau, I'm in a different stage of life than you are. You're wanting me to go at a pace that I'm just not ready to go at yet. So Esau simply went ahead and said, I will meet you at a place further down the road. How often are we moving faster than the crowd? How often are we walking away from people who are who are at a different part of their journey. They have little kids, and we expect them to keep the kids quiet, get involved in ministry, carry the load. How many of us are, there are new believers who just keep, they just keep the same struggling over the same things. I don't know why they don't just get over it. Someone in church rubbed you the wrong way because they have a different viewpoint than you do, and so you're pretty passionate about it. How often are we like Esau, where we just heard down the road of this, well, we're on this spiritual journey, and, and you know what? Hey, good luck to you. Fine. You keep going. I will meet you down there, and we just move on down the road and hope that the new believer just meets us where we're going. How many times are there people, even in this church, new people that have walked in this church, maybe the first time guest, second time guest, someone who just got baptized, someone who just finished a Bible study. How many times are there people in our church that we actually right now, at this moment, we have no idea where they are on their journey? We shook their hand. We said, hey, nice to meet you. Great. Welcome to Refuge. We love you. You're welcome here. And then we just walked on and said, well, I'll meet you up there because I'm on my own journey. 
Hopefully you're going to do well because I'm moving a little faster than you are, but I'll meet you up there. They come up here. They say, I just, what was the plan to get them here? Well, I was just hoping they were going to follow. How many Jacobs had young children who were moving at a different pace than us, got lost along the way? Because we didn't say, no, man, it's all good. I know where I'm going, and I'm willing to slow down for you. I'm going to look after you. I'm not walking away from you. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, I'm at a different stage of life than you are. I know, but how are you going to learn to walk this way? I've, I've walked these paths before. So let me walk with you. You see, when we just say good luck and meet them down the road, that's not the discipleship mo model that Christ laid out for us. They're going to be new people that come into this church that struggle for a while, and I'm almost done. If your musicians would come. God has the power to instantly deliver. No doubt about it. Absolutely. And he does that for people. But sometimes he doesn't do that, or sometimes he tries to, but the person does not reply and does not always move as fast, or maybe they still are making some poor choices, and hey, have we lived for God so long that we forgot some of the poor choices we made? Anybody here get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Spirit, and you made a couple more mistakes after that? But that's the thing. There's some people that might not be instantly delivered from their struggle. They'll work to try to develop new habits, and many of these habits will be things that you personally never dealt with. Man, God's struggling with drugs. I ain't never took drugs. I would never dumb enough to took drugs. Yeah, but you know what you were dumb enough to do? It's something different. <laughs> well, bless God, I never, that person, they, 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 they had that baby, or they got divorced, or that person who did drugs, or that person did that, or they drank that, or they spoke that way, or they went and hung out with that person. I never did that. Yeah, but you did a whole lot of other foolish stuff. And that's why the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Such were some of you. We read about these scriptures of a God that never condones that attitude. He never condones the people going, good luck, I'm up here, I'll see you up there. Everything we read in scriptures, if you're faithful and just, I'll forgive you, I'll cleanse you. Hey, bear one another's burdens. Hey, hey, you don't have to worry. I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's the God that we serve. And this is what we read about. Are we willing to walk with someone along their journey, even when they're struggling with things we know, we've, we've never struggled with? never struggle with that can we still be compassionate to say well tell me what you're tell me what you're going through I'm here to listen and I've never done I've never dealt with that but and it sounds it sounds like it's a challenge but I know God I know a God who can help you right now you know I'm gonna pray with you and I'm gonna listen and and you, you need to get, get let's get together next week and talk about it again Yeah, but then the election came up and they voted for somebody different than me. 
talk politics with you. I'm pretty passionate about what we should stand for. But you know what? I'm called to reach a crowd that I know isn't always going to vote like I do. I can't, I can't let that keep me from the ultimate mission. And my ultimate mission is not getting Green Party, Libertarian, Democratic, or Republican in office. Like, in the midst of all this chaos right now, don't forget your mission. Your mission is to go make disciples. It's not to push a, an issue or, or, or vote for a party. It is to go make disciples. And so in a world that's elevating and celebrating differences, remember, we all wear the white linen, linen garment of the purity of Jesus Christ washed in his blood filled with his spirit so sometimes the crowd doesn't move as fast as you do the crowd sometimes did that when Jesus was traveling but stop and think about it how many times did Jesus stop anybody here busy yep no one's as busy as Jesus hey go reach the world you got manifest in flesh you only got three years like he was busy and he would travel from place to place. And he didn't have Amtrak, Greyhound, Southwest Airlines. Like, he didn't have social media. He just, he just, he just, he just got there. He had people pulling in his time. My, my, my daughter's time, my brother's time. It was all, always. And Jesus would just walk. And he would stop. And sometimes he'd stop and everybody else is like, what are you doing? But he stopped for children. He stopped for the lame man. He stopped for a short little tax collector who everybody hated. He stopped for a man with leprosy. He stopped for a woman with an issue of blood. He didn't just walk around and say, sorry, I got places to go. You want to walk with me? You better keep up. Then why in the world do we as Christians do that sometimes? Oh, I'm walking with God. Bless God. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm sorry I ain't stopping for no one. I started this journey long ago, and I'm walking with Jesus. And that's great. I don't think we should just, like, give up. But when we see the lame man on the side of the road or the child or the woman with the issue of blood or the people who can't keep up yet, I don't want to move faster than the crowd all the time for the rest of my life. I want to look at what Jesus did, and at times I say, I'm on a journey, and I, I got things I'm trying to do and places I'm trying to get to, but right now I got to stop because there's a lame man that can't keep up with me. There's someone right now who's struggling with this, and they told me they've been struggling with this for, for 10 years, 12 years, and, and that person, they're going through this. And it's not even just the new people. Folks, right now, there are people on your pew, right behind you, right in front of you, that they are battling hell right now. That's not the gifts of the Spirit. That's just, I'm counseling people last couple weeks. There are people battling hell right now in this place. And so they might not be ready to be on the, be on the full sprint with you on your journey right now. It might look a little bit more like this. And if you're sitting there going, what's, what, what's wrong with you? You've been walking this way long enough. Get up. We're on a, we're on a journey. 
Guys, why don't you come up here? Help me out. Come on. Come on up. Guys in the front row. Come on. You think the best thing is to tell me to get myself up and get back in the journey? Or what do you think would be better? Huh? What do you think would be better? Oh, you guys, you guys go on ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow you down. I'm going to slow you down. No, you guys probably should just go on ahead. I'm, I'm not moving at the same pace as you guys are. You should probably just, you should probably just go ahead. go ahead. You're going you're gonna to stay with me and help make sure that I don't fall down again? I don't want to move faster than the crowd for the rest of my life. I want to get along the person with the issue of blood, the tax collector everybody hates, the lame man. And I want to I help them out. I want to walk with them knowing that I could move a lot faster. But sometimes that's not what Jesus called me to do. Sometimes he called me to, hey, notice there's a crowd around you. They like different restaurants than you do. They vote for different people than you do. The social issues, they have different opinions, but those are the people that I called you to reach. And I'm just wondering if we got a church that will stand to their feet today. And if you'll begin to just find a place to pray this morning. Because you don't even need to, we need some people who have a burden to look outside these four walls. And we have a burden of, we need to have some people with a burden to look inside the four walls. Because there are some people in this church right now crawling, trying to make it, going through hell right now. And they've got to have a body of believers that say, hey, I'm on this journey, but guess what? I'll stop. What's going on? You need to get together? Let's do it. Let's get together. What's, what, what do you got going on? Tell me about it. You got a friend in me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray. Let's get together next week, too. This doesn't have to be a one-time meeting. You're not walking this way alone. No, 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 you're not bothering me. No, I'm not just going to walk away and leave you here. You're you're right, I'm on a journey, so are you. We're going to do this thing together. Oh, the world is celebrating. It's focusing on all our differences right now. Don't let that be the church's focus, too. Oh, Jew, Greek, circumcised, uncircumcised, male or female. Oh, let's celebrate all the differences. No, no, no. Paul says, hold it. Set all that aside. Of course, we're all different. But we are one body who serve one Lord, one faith. We've been in one baptism, baptized into his name. We're all going to wear that one white garment, the purity of the saints. Don't let this world just focus on all the differences. Don't move faster than the crowd because you might be walking away from the exact crowd that Jesus Christ has died for and called you to reach. Oh, let's cry out to him, church. Let's, let's begin to pray right now. There's people that God's probably laying on your heart right now. Maybe it's you right now. Church, maybe, maybe there, it's time too when you're done praying to go find someone else to pray with. Maybe this is a time where someone's just begging God to send somebody and pray with them.
You're bigger than the universe. You're bigger than the sun and stars. You're bigger than the things that could tear me apart. You're bigger than the You're 